Welcome to Be Transformed with your host, Reverend Christopher Leshber. Be Transformed is an outreach of Romans 12.2 Men's Ministry, empowering men to overcome and thrive by breaking cycles of addiction, trauma, and generational curses. Romans 12.2's vision is healing families and society by transforming the minds of men into the mind of Christ through discipleship within a community of warriors for the kingdom of heaven. You can text or call them at 512 that's 238-0000 or romans-122.org. Romans-the-number-one-number-two-letters-t-w-o.org. Now, here's Christopher. Well, welcome back. This is Reverend Christopher and Isaac Cormier here in our Be Transformed. This is an episode where we get to dive more into background of my story, Krista Christopher, part three as we have what we know now, in retrospect, to be a spiritual father who's only two years the elder to me, but in, in the time in 95 when his now wife, a girlfriend at the time, uh, contacted me and brought me into their life, uh, and we feel like God brought us into one another's lives, uh, we've been tracking since then. So not real good at math, so that's been a minute, as the kids say. That's been a long time ago, uh, and here we have him on the line. Very humbled and honored to have Adrian Williams with us here today and get to unpack a little bit about that time frame. And, and here at Romans 12.2, our mission is to disrupt demand through discipleship, and that demand is of child sex trafficking. The average age is 12, so it's not sex trafficking or human sex trafficking. It is child sex trafficking, and 99% of the demand is from men. And our pop's culture that we've gone over in our testimony and in our teaching is about our plank in our own eye. And, and my womanizing tendency, my commodification of women, my narrative of, of women entertainment for men haunted me for decades. And even after having a salvation time in 95 and, and, and what I didn't know then to be discipleship with Adrian, but discipleship and spiritual fatherhood, those limbic lies those wounds those unhealed wounds would come back to haunt me as we get more into this story in 99 and beyond or 97 and beyond but in 95 there was this intersection with this man a spiritual man of god who was willing to take me under his wing as it were and love on me where i was and and that's what we want to unpack this morning so again adrian i appreciate you being here and isaac would you further introduce adrian to the audience yeah it's such an honor and humbled to be here to know that you are a mentor and a guide and a spiritual father to Christopher because he stepped up and those those attributes have shown in our mature and relationship and depth and intimacy here as we're here on this uh, show this man and just how you just shared how some of your great grandfathers or grandfathers poured into you <clears throat> just in uh, the word of glory, glory, glory. And uh, that's really how I want to introduce you, Adrian. Your, your spirit is such of glory, man. And then you just you just show it, you live it, you uh, see it in your walk and your faith and uh, getting to meeting you and your kids at a younger age with my kids and going to a basketball game and not really knowing at the time that we all had, we all had Christ, but it's not the way that I know him today after putting a spiritual stake in the ground and learning what a spiritual stake truly is. And that's passed down as well. And I'm just in uh, true reverence and awe to just be able to have you on the phone today and just being able to listen to some of your 
perspective and, and intentionalities as you are growing in your faith and coming across this man, Chris, as we really want to dig in to see who he was from uh, perspective of someone that was there and, and really got to know who Chris to Christopher is. So thank you. Adrian? Well, guys, I tell you, it is truly, truly an honor. And, um, you know, I just count it all joy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on the call and really excited to unpack, you know, the last few decades, really, uh, that I've had the opportunity to to just really learn, nurture, and mature um, from both Chris and Adrian's to Christopher's perspective. So truly an honor to be here, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to serve. Thank you, brother. And, yeah, time frame-wise, aren't we on year 25 of that girlfriend that contacted me in 1995 to married uh, Julia Williams? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I tell you, man, time flies. You know, um, I, we were kidless at the time, and now I've got three adult children. So <laughs> definitely, definitely a lot of time has passed really, really quickly. Three, really ma- quickly. three master's degree educated children, amen? Yeah, well, actually two master's degrees, one undergrad. That's right, um, sorry. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, the boys did theirs, got their master's in five years. Um, and Taylor got her undergrad in three years. So really just all glory to God. Well, she cut my undergrad in half. I, you know, three years. That's amazing. <laughs> I did that victory lap plus, I think. But, uh, but yeah, but yeah, take, take us back if you would. Uh, tell, tell us your perspective of, of where you found this guy. Well, you know, we were really blessed to, to um, I met my wife. Uh, I'll kind of start there because it really – gives a lot of perspective. I met my wife at a local department store. um, And for those of you that may remember, there used to be a department store here around the Texas area. Um, The first name was Kay and ended with a mark. So that may sound familiar. Um, But I was I was in there and she walked in and literally I I knew that she was going to be my wife. Five and a half years later, I was blessed to wed her. Um, little did I know that when I first met her, she was just a freshman um, here at Texas A&M. But uh, at any rate, uh, she and I began to launch uh, several business ventures. And at that particular time, we were, uh, you know, trying to scale. And she was actually employed at the university. And she comes across this kid campaigning to be a Yale leader. She saw his fire which I really want to put emphasis there because oftentimes what the enemy will allow us to do or what the enemy would like us to do is to hide our enthusiasm, to hide our fire, to, to smolter, if you will, our enthusiasm and our, our, our glory. That's what he wants us to do. But my wife saw that and at the time, Chris campaigning, interactive, on fire for a purpose, on fire for a cause. And when she saw that, she introduced herself. She later told me, hey, I met a guy. I met a guy. And at this particular time, let me also, um, you know, jump back because we were dating at the time. My wife and I were not married. We were dating at the time. And so... She later told me, hey, 
I met a guy I really think you need to meet. Perfect. So she gave me his contact information. We were able to get in connection. And literally, from the word go, there's been kindred spirits. And so I don't want to go too fast. So, Chris, I want to turn it back over to you there. Where would you have to go at this particular time? Man, I'm loving the theme of the Spirit guiding all this. Amen. The vision that's tied in with this whole process. You seeing Julia and knowing. There's just something you knew. And it always always embarrasses my wife because I was... I was being a, you know, a male whore, let's just be real, back in 2012 when I met her. But when she turned around and faced me, I knew the spirit told me there's something more to this. This is there's more. My my flesh did something different, but my spirit. and, And here's this interaction with Julia and I and then seeing that truest self and then bringing us into relationship and then a kindred spirit that. We've been through some stuff, 25 years. I mean, nothing's perfect for sure, and we, we, we've been through some stuff. But along the way, there was this, this is it. Like, I just knew, you know, and one, yep. of, the, one of the things for the audience, not to harp on it, but just to know, like, I, there, there's generational curses in my walk of, of racism. And, you know, our country, there's all kind of things we go, all various routes here we're not going to do this morning, but... But just to know that a man of a woman of color contacting me, a man, and I grew up in Hutto, small town back then. That's thirty plus thousand folks back then. It was six hundred fifty. We had some diversity, <laughs> but the other side of the tracks meant something back then. Still, and I, you know, I, I I grew up in that environment. Now I didn't necessarily take it all on. There's a great scene in in, in forty two, the movie forty two, where the where the kid is there with his father, and and they're just so enthused to just be at a baseball game and have fun and Jackie Robinson's story. And, and, um, and then they did just started racial slur after racial slur towards Jackie and the hate. And you could just see the transformation in the kid's eyes. He went from, I don't, this is not right. I know this isn't right, but my dad's doing it and the others are doing it. It must be what we do. And I had to overcome that in my life. So it was significant that at early time away from home, early in sophomore year, that, you and Julia came into my life and then how much the family adopted me in without any questions, without any challenges, without any concern whatsoever. And there was just this melding of spirit that went beyond pigmentation. So if you could take us from, from there, that'd be great. Well, you know, Chris, if, if, if I could, I'd love to, I'd love to kind of chime in here because here's the thing. Um, you know, I come from a broken home. Uh, my mom and dad divorced when I was about nine years old. But, you know, God always has a ram in the bush. And that ram in the bush for me was my great-grandfather. And I think this is a perfect segue, Chris, talking about to, you know, talking about the racism and the, and the, and the, the transformation and the actual, you know, the things that were happening or the things that happened here in this community that my great-grandfather was a part of, but it did not affect the way he taught me. Case in point, my great-grandfather was born in 1912, okay? He was born in 1912, and he was a sharecropper for a guy who actually 
is, is, is has a road named after where I have a ranch at right now. Mm-hmm. It's we'll go into the name, but we'll just go, we'll just leave it at that. But here's the deal: this particular owner, who the road is named after, this particular guy who owned the property that my grandpa was a sharecropper, was known to be an incredible racist, incredible racist. But for whatever reason. God softened his heart when he met my grandfather. And Christopher, I don't think we've had the opportunity to really unpack this particular story, but like you were saying, God is doing something amazing right here, right now, and how he's you know, navigating this particular call. Because here's what happened. An extreme racist in the late 20s, excuse me, 1930 to be exact, met my great-grandfather, saw that my great-grandfather was a man of God, and the Holy Spirit quickened this gentleman's spirit and said, there's something in you that I want to be a part of. So, we, so, so, so here's what God did. God took a very, very well-known racist who has a history and a track record of doing very, very unjust things to people of color, crossed paths with my great-grandfather, where he happened to have just married in 1930. My grandfather was looking for work. I'm going somewhere with this, so just bear with me. At the time, my, my grandfather was looking for work, and this guy had work. So as I said, he began to share crop for this gentleman. Year one went by, they did not make a crop. It was too dry. Year two went by, it was too dry. They didn't make a crop. Going into year three, my great-grandfather went to the farm owner and said, I really appreciate the opportunity to work for you, but we haven't made a crop in a couple of years, but I hear there's work in the Brazos River bottom. At this particular time, we were in the Navasota River bottom, which is basically on the east side of, of, of the county. Well, the Brazos River bottom is on the west side of the county. And so he told the, the, the uh, farmer, the, the landowner, I appreciate the opportunity to work for you, but I have to move on because there's no work here and we haven't made a crop. Consequently, we haven't been able to make any money. But there is work in the Brazos River bottom, and I want to go and kind of find work over there. Now, if I can just pause for a moment and give a quick background on this farm owner to give you an indication of what type of guy he was. Just months before that, there was another sharecropper who worked for this gentleman who did not happen to show up for work one day. He noticed that this particular guy, this man of color, did not show up to work, and so he went to the house. He hollered for him. He hollered for him again, and he did not come out. Well, a couple of moments later, this black gentleman's wife came out. When she walked out of the house, her head was down. Well, being the you know, shrewd man that he was, he said, look up at me, gal. What is wrong with you, and where is your husband? said, he's not here, sir. He's he, he not here. 
when she raised her heads up, when she raised her head up, guys, she was beaten. Her face was disfigured. Her eye was blackened, bulged, jaw swollen because her husband had beat her. And he said, the, the landowner said, did he do that to you? Well, he didn't mean it, sir. He didn't mean it. Where did he go? Now I understand why he didn't show up for work. So he just went to town. He just went to town. He'll be back, sir. The short of the long is this, shirt, this farmer, this landowner, went to town, found this lady's husband who did not show up for work that day. And the, the short of the long is no one ever saw him again. He never came back home. There is a road that I live on that's named after that gentleman. Mm. We have a ranch at the end of that road. Mm. Just to kind of give you a quick background on what the type of guy that this guy was. But fast forward, my grandfather went to him and said, I can no longer work here because there's no work. Mm. And this guy looked at my grandfather, and he, he told him, he said, you know what? We've worked really, really hard, and you're right. We have not made a crop. But this is your first year of marriage, and for whatever reason, got a lot of respect for you. So I tell you what, I haven't been able to pay you because we haven't made a crop. But the little house that you're living in, every piece of furniture in that house, you take with you, and you go get your start. So I shared that story because all throughout this county, everybody knows this gentleman to be an incredible racist, with the exception of my grandfather. Mm. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit unctioned this guy and connected him to my grandfather and play it forward. I am good friends with the descendants of that gentleman yet today. In Look fact, that. he came and borrowed my tractor two weeks ago. Mm. Generation, so God is amazing. Generational curse breaking with humble beginnings. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we started interacting, that was being played forward. You were speaking life over me. You were there for me. Uh, there there was a story that you've relayed to me that I don't even recall, but could you share with the audience where you found me one day when I called for a ride from Olive Garden? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. At the time, Christopher, Chris, now Christopher, was, was, was working at Olive Garden. I, I, I believe you were a host or were you a server at the server, time? I think yeah. you were a server. Mm-hmm. You were a server, yeah. You were a server and just simply needed a ride to work. And we didn't live far from each other at the time, so not a big deal. So went by, picked him up, and literally pulled over or pulled up to the very front of the Olive Garden restaurant to let him out. And I knew something wasn't right. I felt it in my spirit. And when I looked over at him, I said, are you okay? Because he wasn't getting out of the car. And when I asked him if he was okay, his reaction told me that he was not okay. 
he literally broke down and sobbed over and over and over and over. Very broken, very hurt, very saddened, just in a really, really dark space. And I don't know if you want to go ahead and divulge into, into, into the intricacies of that, Christopher, at this time. For, for our audience, especially, the pain on the outside was starting to catch up with the pain on the inside. And because you had facilitated an environment of trust and vulnerability, sharing your stories and, and your background as well as mine, there was a safety that had been created in there, a confidentiality where I, I felt like I could be who I really was and what I was going through, even though I didn't know how to define it. I didn't understand that I was wounded. I didn't understand that there was trauma in my background. I, it, you, it wouldn't be until 2017, really, that I understood that it was trauma and wounds. But you had created, you know, once again, that environment. And then you were speaking life over me and you were speaking vision. And Isaac, that brings us to another story, right? Yeah, definitely speaking life and vision. And and as Christopher shares uh, quite a bit, and he has it on his license plate, Psalms 1. And he says that comes from uh, a spiritual father and mentor, Adrian Williams. And a lot of people in the audience don't don't know what that means, but it meant something to Christopher because y'all built that trust and you were speaking that life. And it was just coming out because it just was coming out naturally in you. Can you just give us that transition of where when he came and sat in your apartment at that table and, and, and your perspective on speaking that life over Christopher? Absolutely. And, you know, when we when I started here initially, uh, I you know I, I made reference to um, Julia, then my girlfriend at the time. Um, when I later saw her that day, she explained to me that she saw something. So 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 here's the thing: God was setting the stage for me to look for what Julia saw. Mm. Yeah. And so even though there may have been trauma. Even though there may have been circumstances and situations that, 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 that are just really dark and really bleak, that's not what I was looking for. And so and I want to make mention to this because oftentimes in life and circumstances and relationships, you'll find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the dark, you'll, you'll find it. If you're looking for the bleak, you'll find it. If you're looking for the trauma, you'll find it. But if you're looking for the glory, you'll see that. If you're looking for the joy, you'll see that. If you're looking for the, 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 the Christ-like image, because we're all made in God's image, the Holy Spirit will show you that. And so because I was prefaced, because I was prompted to look for the joy, for the glory, for the enthusiasm, that's what I went and looked for. Even though when I, when I sat down with him and we began to share and we be, begin to unpack a lot of the trauma, the glory was still what I saw. Absolutely, and brother. So because, and, and so because of that, because of that, that's what I began to speak to. That's what I wanted to build up. 
and it's so important for me just the last couple of minutes here we have to articulate that you especially on that that olive garden story that ride home you just embraced me you didn't try to fix me you didn't try to preach over me you didn't come and hey if you just this is the consequence of you being this and you being a drunkard and you being a womanizer you being this and racist and blah blah blah, blah. you didn't lo- you just loved on me and you were in the trenches and you invited me into your family and Mama Williams and, and, and your beautiful now wife and, and, and confidant and Ezer and vision caster. Like all that was part of my story to the point where I stood in that wedding with you, uh, to, y'all, back in 25 years ago and, and thankful for it. And, you know, so you you embraced me and held me and embraced my story. And and you be, you were that that surrogate father that 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 were my 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 uh, natural father has a lot of greatness about him but there there's some there was some lack in the spirit as you said earlier guides us and there's something in there that we want and desire and you were that for me and you, str- you showed that stronghold of abba that no matter what my circumstances are no matter my background that he's there for me and he will never forsake me and that trust see what was damaged in me is the attachment my my way of attaching it was disorganized it needed to be more secure, and and you were helping me build a more secure attachment with Abba Father and Jesus the Son and the in the Spirit, and it was also an intimacy disorder going on there. And as we dive into our curriculums, that's what that's what's taught. It's not about sex. It's not about drugs. It's not about working too hard or eating too much or whatever the case may be. It's about our attachment and our intimacy disorders and challenges, and that's what needs fixing. And it takes environments where we're building trust and we're building intimacy that we're able to bring that out. And as you said, essentially perspective is reality. What you look for and what you see is what's going to be there. So why not come alongside Abba, Jesus in the spirit and speak life and speak vision versus coming alongside the enemy who's already got us trapped, who's already beaten us up with lies and already in shame. That son of a gun, that principality, power and rulers of darkness of this world needs no help. We need to be that light and that salt that's going to, edify and encourage and that's what yeah. you did with me and now we're passing that generation yeah. down because you did not ignore the problems you did not move away from trying to fix them you still fixed them by edifying the word of god to the Absolutely. point where blessed is a man walking down the council of the god and sitting in the seat in the storm standing away as sinners or or because he doth meditate upon the the law of god day and night like i when you spoke that over me i received it because the actions were back behind the theory it was behind the vision there was actionables happening and i could own that and i it becomes mine it became rama and see that's what you did for me and, and and because of the spirit working through all of us we're passing it down to others and and I know we're out of time here, but just want to thank you for starting that, that continuing that legacy of Paul Paul and, 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 and glory, glory and having that childlike spirit and humility to be able to be willing in discipleship to humble ourselves and then do that and be there for others to build them up. We love you and thank you for being with us today. You've been listening to Be Transformed with Reverend Christopher Lesper. Be Transformed is an outreach of Romans 12 to Men's Ministry. If you or someone you know needs confidential help or are looking for a place to serve, you can text or call Christopher at 512-238-0000 or romans-12-2.org. That's romans-the-number-one-number-two-letters-t-w-o.org.